0: Together with our guests and listeners, we seek to discuss, challenge, and create new understanding about how to inspire better experiences in response to ever-changing customer expectations. Hello, and welcome to another episode of All Things Considered CX. I'm your host, Bob Asman, and welcome back for another one of our episodes with today's guest, Roy Atkinson. Roy. Please introduce yourself to our listeners.
1: Hi, thanks, Bob. Uh, I am the CEO of Clifton Butterfield LLC. We are a business advisory firm. We specialize in basically four pillars, which are customer service, customer experience, uh, employee experience, and appropriate technology. And, And I think we'll probably get into a little bit what we mean by that.
0: Excellent. Thanks, Roy, and welcome again. So, Roy, I asked the same question of all of my guests because our listeners really like to hear about how did you get where you are today. What's your career path? Did you did you wake up one day and say I want to do this, or how did it evolve into this? And and how did we arrive at our podcast today, talking to you?
1: When we're talking about uh, my career. It it, it is better described as a career obstacle course than a career path. Um, I started off uh, wanting to go into academia on the one hand and on the other hand, uh, playing music since I was rather young. And uh, so I studied hard, went to way too much school. I double majored in philosophy and English. And people say, well, those aren't very practical. But in fact, if you look at a lot of entrepreneurs, that's the kind of background we have. And uh, then after way too much school, I decided that I was going to go play music, which I did for over 20 years, and professionally full-time. And uh, uh, with, with some exceptions in that, I worked part-time, always in service-oriented roles. When I was in high school and college, I worked in uh, a couple of roles that that happened to be very interesting. One was in one of the busiest supermarkets in the world, actually the second busiest supermarket in the world, starting when I was in high school, and uh, wound up in their customer service desk. And uh, a little bit later on, I wound up working financing more yet yeah, more school by working at the busiest gas station in the world we had 64 people working at the gas station uh, so you can imagine how busy that was uh, a million gallons of gasoline a month and taking care of customers in many 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 ways so i learned a lot about customer service uh in the, from those jobs i worked a little bit in hospitality also while i was doing school and then uh along with the music, did a a little bit of supplemental work in uh, retail, customer service, a tiny bit of call center stuff before I got into the call center world. And then I decided that I wanted to go into IT. And so I did, and I got a job in IT, and I have spent most of the rest of my career in something IT-related uh ran desktop support at one of the largest genetics research laboratories in the world. And, uh, and went to work for an organization that has IT support at its heart, uh, HDI, and now advising organizations on how they can better do support and IT service management and uh, have a you know, pretty extensive background in technology as well. So uh, that comes into it and uh, have gone grown into uh, employee experience for sure. I uh, consider that extremely important. And that's kind of bound up with the IT service management world, because a lot of what IT service desks do is serve internal if you want to call them customers, uh, officially, they're not called customers. They're called users or clients or something like that. But generally, who they are is employees of the same company that the service desk is operated by. And so uh, you're serving your colleagues, essentially. And that's contributing to employee experience. And there are several organizations that have really built a concentration on that. And I uh, arranged partnerships with them. I work closely with them. So it's it's been a, an interesting journey, for sure, uh, but enjoyable all the way. And every step is learning. As my friend, Ivanka Mencken from Australia says, every day is a school day.
0: <laughs> uh, yes, the concept of continuous learning, right, is a reality. So, so Roy, right, um, I, I always ask my guests that question about career path because There's commonality there and you're no exception where early on you got involved in customer service and, and it kind of carries through it. It it sparks a passion or gets in your blood or some guests have said it gets in their DNA and, and it, it it happened to you as well, right? At the gas station and at, at the supermarket early experiences.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I I think the one common thread that goes through everything I've done is wanting to make things better for people. That has always been a passion.
0: And that's so important in in the world that we're talking about. And and it's interesting too about your background in IT service or or serving the internal client, if you will, user, customer, whatever we describe them. Uh, We don't talk often enough about that. We're always typically looking outwards, customer facing. And so it's good to have you joining us to perhaps shed some insight on what's happening Internally, um, for customer service as well. So, Roy, tell me a little bit about um, where we're at in the in, in from your perspective in terms of technology supporting customer experience. I mean, there's a lot of noise out there right now about all kinds of different technological opportunities, be it AI, chat, chatbots. Um, you name it, there just seems to be a lot of noise. Where are we at? Can you kind of summarize for our listeners where you think we're at right now in our evolution of technology and supportive customer experience?
1: Sure. I, I think we're at the beginning of a time when artificial intelligence and machine learning are gonna play a much bigger role Uh, There are already lots of tools like in the contact center world, and I'm sure that they're going to trickle over into the service desk world as well. One of the things I work on, by the way, is enterprise service management, which is having a service desk, not only just for IT, but across the organization. So somebody pick up the phone and say, hey, my chair squeaks and, and, and they call the service desk and the service desk will address that issue. So there's gonna be a lot more interplay between the contact center and the service desk in future. But in, uh, some of the technologies are getting very interesting. For example, a very small percentage of time uh, is available to contact center managers for coaching. However, now we have tools uh, powered by machine learning that can assist uh, contact center, you know, customer service representatives a live real-time can give them either in-ear or on-screen coaching as they work. For example, if they're working with a particular customer who has kind of a checkered past with the organization, if certain things tend to rankle that particular customer, the AI coach can say, don't say this, say that. Or maybe you want to steer the conversation in this direction or you know, refer back to this particular order. Because the AI will be able to have the entire order history, all the previous contacts with that person, uh, everything available to the representative, which is awesome. That is something that uh, has been a long time coming. As we know, one of the most annoying things that can happen in an in interaction with an organization when you call for customer service is to have to repeat all the information again and again if you, you know, you contact them originally by, let's say, via chatbot. The chatbot chatbot is good for the first two questions, and after that, it bails out. And then you've got to pick up the phone and call or, or uh, have a chat with a live agent if they they can do that. And uh, sometimes they have to ask you to verify everything that you've already done again. You've already gone through the website. You've already put in your account number. You've already put in your phone number and your name and all that stuff. And then they ask you to do it again. That's extremely annoying. So having uh, omni-channel AI-powered systems that can keep that information in front of the agent while they're talking to you is awesome. Same thing on the IT, on the internal side. Uh, if a person contacts the service desk, that service desk person would be able to have the information about the person's laptop, when it was purchased, how old it is, what applications they're running, what they're connected to at the present time probably some context around what they're actually doing. And that becomes important when we talk about uh, the technology that's beginning to power self-service and self-help. It can be contextual now, which is pretty cool. It's not just, hey, let me throw these uh, knowledge base articles at you and see if one sticks. It can be, oh, you're working. I see that you're working in Excel. I think you're struggling with a formula that does this, that kind of assistance is starting to show up in organizations. And that's going to change the world a lot for the people on the other side of the fence, the, the liners, as they tend to be called, or as I like to call them discoverers or representatives who can then uh, assist with the person when they have a complex issue, which the, uh, the technology can't handle. Or with something that's, you know, uh, would be considered uh, dangerous or confidential or at risk to put into the technology. So, personal details, HIPAA information, that kind of thing. You know, there have to be security rules around them, and, and there are some questions about biases and whether or not these things are properly secure, et cetera, et cetera. So we're right on the right on the cusp of that stuff, and it's very interesting to watch. It's fascinating. To watch what's going on, we just saw in the, in the world of technology, we just saw Zoom reach out and and grab Five Nine, which is a mm-hmm. contact center technology company. So, so there's lots going on in that world, and uh, it, it's extremely interesting to watch, and I I'm rather fascinated by it all.
0: Mm-hmm. Roy, uh, it's fascinating to hear you talk about it, and you mentioned Zoom. It was interesting. I was in involved in a conversation about a week before Zoom picked up Five9, and somebody was saying to me, what's Zoom going to do now with us all going back into the office and, and not needing Zoom anymore? And I thought it was an interesting question, but also uh, thought, I wonder what Zoom is going to do. And before you knew it, they, they, Zoom already had it figured out, right? They went out and bought Five9 to expand their portfolio.
1: Yeah, they're very much uh, going to wrap up the contact center world, I think, into the Zoom telephone idea, mm-hmm. and uh, Five9 is a pretty, pretty advanced technology company to begin with, so that'll be interesting. Just going back to something you said there, but we won't need Zoom anymore, I have a friend who's uh, an engineer who just got called back to the office. Everybody's going back to the office in that company. Mm-hmm. But they have to wear masks, stay at their desks, and conduct all their meetings over Zoom.
0: Oh, so my gosh. They're
1: kind of wondering why they're
0: back in the office. <laughs> so, so much for not needing Zoom anymore. Now we're going to do it yeah, in the right. office, it,
1: right? It's like texting your spouse from the other side of the couch, right? It's kind of the same thing.
0: Indeed, it is. Um, so... When you say, Roy, that we're on the cusp, are we looking at you know, a, a five to 10 year run? Are we looking at a few years and seeing more of what you talked about become reality? What, what is your sense for that? I'm,
1: I'm thinking the next one to three years, uh, you're gonna see massive changes. If we look out as far as five to 10 years, if you think back to 2011, And the level of technology was available uh, in in the customer world then, as compared to what we have now, it's unrecognizable. And I think that that's the pace of change is constantly accelerating. Right. Mm -hmm. And so what's going to be in 10 years is going to be virtually uh, impossible to imagine. Things are progressing at a very rapid rate. And as the technology advances, it's going to begin to de- design its own solutions. Uh, that's the other thing about uh, about this AI stuff is that you know the next thing that happens is AI designs better AI. So uh, it, it's going to be fascinating to watch, but we're, we're pretty close to having some rather robust solutions here.
0: Mm-hmm. So I'm curious about your reaction to something. Uh, 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 Not so long ago, I wrote a, wrote an article about, are we putting the cart before the horse when it comes to technology and CX? And it was, was based on the fact that so frequently I'm approached by um, either companies I've worked for or clients that I work with, where they've said, hey, I bought this new technology, but it's not doing what it said it was going to do. Or uh, it's not, you know, I, I need to buy new technology to improve my customer experience. And when we ask Why, you know, what's your customer experience strategy? We kind of get blank stares. How do we avoid Mm -hmm. that, you know, cart before the horse scenario so that we buy technologies that align to our strategies? What's your experience been in that area?
1: It's tough. Uh, I will tell you that uh, technology organizations, and by that I mean like let's say an IT department in a corporation, they think technology. And so it's the first solution they think of for everything. And part of, actually a lot of my work with the Institute for Digital Transformation, of which I am a fellow, is to help folks understand that it is not just about the technology. And I just gave a talk at a conference about this. It is not about the technology first. If you think about the technology first, you're going to sink yourself in your, your, your uh, I'll dare call it a project, it's not, it's a program. But if you go technology first, you're doomed. You really have to think about what's appropriate, how you're going to approach this organizationally, because otherwise what happens is you install whiz-bang technology and wind up doing exactly the same things, but faster. And that doesn't get you anywhere because obviously the reason that you're even looking at this is because there are things you'd like to improve so if the only improvement that you're going to make is speed that's not really much of an improvement transformation happens when the organization looks at itself and says hey what do we want to do what do we really need to do how can we do it differently and better from the way we're doing it now And then you have huge organizational change in front of you, right? As soon as you start to say, we're going to change the way people work, and we're going to change the kind of work people do, now you have an organizational change management issue in front of you. And so you really have to start with a vision and go through the steps of organizational change along with bringing the technology in. You have to train people how to use the technology and how to work alongside the technology. As I mentioned before, you've got uh, AI-powered coaching now. Well, how do you work with that? How do you, instead of working with a coach sitting next to you at your desk, how do you work along uh, alongside an artificial intelligence that's whispering in your ear uh, what what this customer has experienced previously and how they how you might do it better this time. Um, it's really an awful lot of change and people have to work through it carefully and well. So starting with a strategy and a direction and a plan is a really good way. If you just start buying technology, it is almost certain that you're going to fail. Both McKinsey and the Boston Consulting Group say 70% of these transformations fail. And that's why people just grab technology and think that's going to change things. And it doesn't.
0: So true. Listeners, you're um, listening to a fascinating discussion about technology and customer experience with my guest, uh, Roy Atkinson. Roy, s- building on what you're talking about there, so often, too, what I found is, is that we train the technology, we but we don't change the behaviors or don't even train the behaviors. And I think that's what you're getting to with your AI example. Am I correct in that uh, assumption? Yes, Yes, you are.
1: There's uh, uh, someone I admire very much in in the IT world and and the broader world, named Paul Wilkinson. And Paul, he he's known as Gaming Paul on Twitter. He he does a lot of simulations and games that train people to do things. And one of the things that he started out doing, he was originally started out as a cartoonist. There's a career path for you, huh? (laughs) Sure. He he came up he, he came up with a set of cards. And these cards are called ABC cards. So that's attitude, behavior, and culture. And you ask questions around these different cards, and it's, it's you, you know play with these cards, and you pick certain cards out, and you answer questions about them, and so forth. It's a fascinating little uh, exercise. And and that kind of thing is is exactly what we need to be thinking about. What how do we fit? That one of the most insightful questions I've ever heard, or, or statements I've ever heard, I should say was at a local HDI chapter meeting, HDI being that uh, support desk uh, organization, uh, back when I was a local chapter person in HDI and working at a service desk myself and running desktop support. And this person worked for a big insurance company and they had rolled out a major software upgrade. And they said the first call to the service desk after that upgrade was somebody who said, yesterday I knew how to do my job Today, I don't. And that is what happens to people if they're not properly uh, guided through change. And that, I mean, that was a software upgrade. That, that was small compared to the kinds of things that are going on now with introducing entirely new technologies and entirely new ways of working. That kind of transformation is difficult. It is, uh, it, it is prone to failure. And it really needs to have a strong set of visions and goals that you go through in order to work, come out the other side of it with success.
0: So, Roy, what you're touching on, and, and so appropriately so, is, is the whole concept of change management and in transformations. And, and you've done a lot of work on this in your, in your business and in your uh, lecturing and so forth. What are some of the, and you started to mention the vision goals and alignment and so forth. What are some of those key components in change transformation that, change management, excuse me, that, you know, are are holding companies back? Are they just not paying attention to it? Are they trying to rush through it? What has your experience been in this whole world of the need for change management?
1: What happens a lot of times is that, you know, they get the technology And they get out there and start installing the technology and expect people to be able to adapt to it. And they realize they're running into difficulty with that. And so two thirds of the way through this whole exercise, they decide that they need to put organizational change on it. And either the organizational change people from their their company, or they bring in a consultant that does OCM, but almost as a bolt-on, toward the end of the project. And that is not the way to do it. Uh, I I have often said that in in my mind, the way I look at organizational change is to put the simple spin on it. There are five elements that you cannot do without. Uh, Vision, incentives, resources, skills, and an action plan, V-I-R-S-A, I'd say Versa. Uh, And that's a twist on on something that's been around for a long time. But basically, I think, uh, in a simple uh, version, gets it pretty right. You have to know where you're going. That's your vision. You have to say, okay, we're going to commit to this transformation. Uh, Incentives, you have to give people an indication of what's going to be better for them, right? The old WIFM, what's in it for me? Uh, Resources, you have to give them what they need to get this done. Uh, skills, you have to train them to work with the new technologies and an action plan lets them know what's going to happen and when it's going to happen. If people don't have that stuff to hang on to, you're going to fall on your face when you try to do a transformation.
0: That's I I love that uh, acronym, Versa. Uh, uh, in, in your experiences, right. What are you brought into the process when they're about to fall? Uh, are you trying to get them earlier in the process? I'm, I'm just kind of curious as to, you probably been at every spot in the continuum, but where you maybe get involved most often.
1: Uh, I'm, I'm increasing the, the percentage of batting at the beginning, uh, okay, because we <laughs> talk about it so much, you know, that, uh, but yes, it, it, I, been involved in the middle of things and uh, I don't that almost came out in Latin by the way Uh, having been a student for many many years of literature one of the things I studied was uh, was uh, epic poetry and they always begin in medias res in the middle of things Mm. and that that can that can be a really tricky situation because now you've got Certain things have happened, certain things you want to have happen, haven't happened. And now you've got people in the organization saying, oh, it's another one of those things. We're going to get through this stupid thing and then nobody's going to pay attention to it in a month. That's death. So early is good. The earlier you get into this, please, if you're going to bring us in, bring us in right at the beginning, before you even start, as you're starting to think about Changing the way your business works. That's the time to bring either, you know, us or somebody like us in to help you with the transformation. It's so important. Mm -hmm.
0: Right. If I'm a customer experience, if I'm leading a customer experience program at an organization, and perhaps I'm pursuing the classic people process and tools approach. um, and I, and I pursued my vision and goals. A lot of times we hear from CX professionals that they end up knocking their head against the wall, trying to get investments in customer experience due to other Mm -hmm. priorities within an organization. Any thoughts about how to do that, you know, to get over that hump for CX professionals in getting the kind of investment they need in technology.
1: Well, one of the things that I talk about is, uh, a little insight into how to get people on your side. Uh, you have to build an, a, a coalition. Uh, it's very good to get senior people uh, to pay attention to what you're saying. And what you do is you look for allies. Uh, you know, you look at the organization. You look at what the executives are writing about on LinkedIn or on the company blog or on the internal intranet. Uh, Look to those things and find people who are interested in moving forward and interested in the kind of of change that you're trying to to get done. And uh, then what you do is you build alliances with them. You sit down and talk to them, let them help you manage your message. And then if they're sitting in the boardroom, if they're on the executive committee, if they're in a the leadership in the organization, let them start taking that message in. Because a lot of times what happens is, you know, I've got a great idea. This is what we want to do for my department. My department's going to run the world now. And we're going to buy this technology and it's going to be great and everybody's going to love it. And you go in and do a, do a presentation, you know, bring the PowerPoint deck into the board and they just stare at you with their jaws open and say, What? Um, and that's that doesn't get you anywhere. But if the board itself starts to get excited about the kinds of change, if like they get educated about the kinds of change that, that can happen, that's when you really get that investment. And buy-in, this is something that I've really started to hammer on. Buy-in is not good enough for this. You have to have commitment. And the difference is that, you know, there's an old story about uh, uh, the bacon and eggs breakfast, right? The chicken was involved, the pig was committed. Um, and so you have to have that kind of commitment from the executives to do, we're doing this, we're gonna get this done. Here's our time frame. We expect everybody in the organization to take part in it, and here's how it's gonna go. And that's different from uh, an executive doing buy-in, which is essentially saying, yeah, okay, you, you go ahead and do that or set up a task force and get that done. They're involved in the top down, they're involved in this. And, and that makes a huge amount of difference. So build the alliances with your senior leaders. If they're not dragging the trans- transition, then try to get them to see the light and say, here's, here's how we can do this. And here's how things are gonna be better on the other side. And you always have to include that. You've got to include the improvement that you're trying to get to. If you don't have a strong message about how things are gonna be better in terms of return on investment, in terms of uh, customer experience, in terms of employee experience, if you don't have the information for that, uh, you're not gonna succeed in getting their attention. So that is exceedingly important.
0: Uh, Roy, I, I think your comments about buying and commitment it just will strike a chord with with our, our listeners because it, it, it when you said that it just the lights just went off for me. It, it's so easy for executives to say, "Sure, we support this," as opposed to "Sure, we're committed to it." To, and, and that that I think is a great nugget uh, for our listeners to to push hard on that because I think too often we. SCX professionals, I think we we think you know you have to do this because it's like you know it, don't you want to be the leader in customer experience? Well, sure we do, but that doesn't mean you get off the hook for what the investment needs to be and what the payback is going to be for that investment. Um, mm-hmm. An organization and the
1: investment. It should be said, Bob, is not just money. The mm-hmm. investment is the time, energy, and commitment of those senior people in the organization. You know, um, uh, some years ago when I was and I, I was a little bit beyond getting started, but one of the first things I did in my technology career was I became a, a, an, an Apple consultant. Uh, they have a network of, of authorized and certified consultants that work with them. And that's one of the things that I did. And I got a, a tremendous opportunity to watch Steve Jobs in action. And I will tell you that there has never been a more persuasive person on this planet they used to call it the reality distortion field around Steve. but Steve was an extraordinarily persuasive guy. When he said we're going to build a phone, uh, you know the entire organization was committed to producing the iPhone and then well, we see the results. I mean 881.9 billion dollars in revenue last quarter <laughs> um, driven by the iPhone. But uh, it's spectacular what you can do when you do have people at the top who are committed to uh, the next step, and it's so important.
0: Absolutely, and Roy, this is—it feels like we could talk all day. This has been a fascinating conversation, and your and your willingness to share learnings and and guidance for our listeners has been great. I always like to ask our guests any final thoughts for our listeners. Uh, on this topic or things we, we haven't covered that you'd like to, uh, um, I, I turn it over to you for a moment of uh, comment.
1: Sure. What, one of the things that I've written about in terms of customer experience is that a lot of people confuse customer experience design with customer experience. If you don't have the customer involved, you haven't got customer experience. You can't have it. You're not allowed to have customer experience without the customer. You have customer experience design. You try to set things up so that customer is going to have the best experience possible, but guess what? They have the experience and it's their feedback that drives you to understand what their experience is and to improve their experiences and nearer to real time, that feedback is the better off your customer experience is going to be. Excellent.
0: Roy, very wise words. And and listeners, uh, I hope you've enjoyed uh, our guest, Roy Atkinson. I know I certainly have, and I've learned a lot in just a short period of time. So thank you, Roy. We appreciate you joining us today. My pleasure. And, And this has been another episode of All Things Considered CX. I'm your host, Bob Asman. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your networks. And of course, stay tuned for another episode in the near future on a topic of interest to CX professionals everywhere. Thanks for listening to this episode of All Things Considered, CX. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your colleagues. Subscribe to our show, follow me on LinkedIn, and visit my website at InnovativeCX.com for more insights on creating better experiences.